Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Decision part two. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, January 8th, 2024, otherwise known as the last few minutes of many guys' coaching careers. NFL season came to an end yesterday. The Golden Globes were last night, but what interests me is the decision part two. And no, it's not about LeBron James. If you recall our show from last week, we talked about Pat McAfee, and Aaron Rodgers and the decision that Bob Iger had to make about Aaron Rodgers appearing on Pat McAfee and what he had to do about McAfee versus Jimmy Kimmel, Rodgers versus Kimmel, when you have two different silos fighting each other. And that was a decision. Then on Friday, the ante got bigger. Bob Bob Iger was just sitting around, everything feels good, Pat McAfee's going on the air, What's he going to talk about? We had a talk with him before he went on the air. Here's how we want to deal with this. Put on a nice shirt and let's try to be done with this story. Instead, Pat McAfee, the guy making $15 million a year from the shareholders of Disney, a contract where he's got a platform bigger from a linear standpoint than any platform he's ever had. A guy who's gone from company to company, never finishing out a contract with any company. Spreading his wings, making ESPN young and making him and all of his people very wealthy. He comes out and tries to explain to you why his numbers on television are low. Because Andrew Marchand of the New York Post delivered a column that said that The Pat McAfee show on ESPN is not doing well. And when the show is not doing well, you better not ruffle any feathers or else you're going to get canceled. And there's a lot of examples of people whose shows have been canceled because their numbers were low and they were a big pain in the ass. What low numbers mean is that you follow. Do you remember with comedies back in the day or TV shows in prime time when there's something called the lead-in? Who's going to get the coveted slot after Happy Days or after Seinfeld? Who's going to get the slot after the Super Bowl? Well, the slot after first take, that's a big deal. McAfee loses, according to Andrew Marchand, 48% of ESPN's viewers on ESPN. We're not talking YouTube. We're not talking audio downloads. We're talking people watching ESPN. The thought was, according to the column by Andrew, it would be great if McAfee's numbers got better because the juice and the squeeze were going to have a bit of a situation given the way McAfee is. Pat McAfee gets on his show and decides to air a piece of dirty laundry the likes of which I'm not sure I have ever seen. 
Pat McAfee claims that numbers were incorrectly leaked to the media, to Andrew Marchand, and that his show is being actively sabotaged by higher ups at ESPN. This is major bomb throwing. And then he names names. Bob Iger's sitting in his office. He's just trying to get through the day, having meetings. He's got his assistant around, several assistants. What's next? Who am I talking to? What do I, can I cancel this lunch? What do I, what am I doing this weekend? I don't want to deal with Kimmel anymore or McAfee. I got other fish to fry. Uh, Bob, you're going to want to hear this. You got Norby on line two. Norby Williamson, who is a very high up, very loyal ESPN employee, he's been there for decades. He is the one basically who is the career maker for many, many people who's had issues with certain talent, no doubt, but he has won every battle. Norby Williamson calls up Bob Iger and says, Bob, you will not believe what that MFR just did. He just called me out by name on his show saying that I am sabotaging his show, that I am responsible for his numbers. There are some people actively trying to sabotage us from within ESPN, McAfee said. These are quotes. More specifically, I believe Norby Williamson is the guy attempting to sabotage our program. Is Pat McAfee trying to get fired? Is he trying to do a power play in the first year of a five-year deal? Is he trying to get Norby fired, thinking that this is the way to do it? Knowing that there are groups of talent who have had issues with Norby who have lost the battle? Or is Pat McAfee simply out of his mind? There are several examples that happened this weekend of people define authority. When you run a play that you're not supposed to run, that's one thing and we'll talk about it. But when you actively call out your bosses and it is not part of a pre-approved bit, let me explain what a pre-approved bit is. A pre-approved bit is when you have a sponsorship from DraftKings and part of the show that you do is to talk about gambling and to talk about DraftKings and to talk about how, oh, I wish they did this or they don't do enough of that or all we have is a tent and a table. The stuff that happens on the Lebitard show, that is not content that causes contractual breakage. DraftKings doesn't watch the Lebitard show and say, oh my God, I can't believe that's what Dan is saying about us. There are bits. There are things that are part of the show. Having a corporate villain, something that's very important to many shows, being able to call out the man, speak truth to power. All of those are dynamics that exist within many, many shows. The Pat McAfee show has never been that. His show is built on the lunacy of the show, on the casualness of the show, on the guests of the show, on the general hijinks, on the football, and on the fact that Pat McAfee works around the clock, all over the network, all over the platform, day after day, seven days a week. His bit is not truth to power. So when he does this, you know, number one, it's not 
planned. And so then you have to ask yourself, what would be the purpose? Is McAfee so insecure about his current numbers? So insecure about the criticism he's taken as a host? So concerned about succeeding on ESPN? that he was upset that the numbers that were coming out are the numbers. You can't lie about the numbers. The numbers are the numbers. That he wanted to get ahead of it the way you get ahead of negative PR. And if that were his plan to get ahead of negative PR, then you go at it from a positive standpoint. You say numbers are going to come out and man, we are losing way too much audience from first take. But let me tell you, when you look at the whole package, I'm underpaid by ESPN. What I'm delivering to them digitally, from a demographic standpoint, they never dreamt of this level of success. My bosses are happy. My audience is happy. My co-hosts and producers and people behind the camera are happy. Onward, keep charging. That'd be one way to deal with it. Going after your boss by name, that must not be to explain your numbers, your issues linear. It must be because you're trying to get fired. Could that be what McAfee's doing? That he's trying to violate a clause in his contract, which exists in all talent contracts. They're called disparagement clauses can't want to violate his contract. He's got mouths to feed. He's responsible for people in his atmosphere. If he's got another place to go, the way he keeps leaving, although it's not even been a year at ESPN, then there are negotiated ways that you negotiate exits. You do not open yourself up for a termination for cause. So if you wanted to leave, that wouldn't be the way to do it. Did he want Norby to get fired? He'd have to get on a pretty long line of talent who wanted Norby to get fired. And that line is full of people who have failed. So is he trying to succeed in a place where his competition failed? And he thought the best way to do it would be to call him out? Was it part of a multi-point strategy? Bob, Jimmy, CEO of ESPN, chairman of ESPN. I'm going after Norby today just to let you know, I can't work with that guy anymore. But Pat, he's got nothing to do with your show. He doesn't get involved in your show. You're totally independent. You do whatever the hell you want. We changed our dress code. We changed our cursing code. You are, you have more freedom than any talent we've ever had. As a matter of fact, we have a problem with Stephen A. Smith because of how free you are and all the different platforms you have. So that can't be it. Norby can't be stopping you from doing what you want. What would be the reason that he wants Williamson fired? Did he have input or did he have a heads up from Bob Iger himself? Hey, we're trying to get rid of Norby. Do you mind creating a power struggle between the two of you? Then I'm gonna choose you over Norby because you're you. I love you, Pat, no problem. Would you give me a break? That's if Bob Iger wants to get rid of Norby Williamson, he doesn't need Pat McAfee to grease the skids. You just fire Norby Williamson. So for the life of me, I can't come up with one cogent rational reason why McAfee did what he did. 
other than to ruin Iger's weekend and force him to make yet another decision. Iger gets called by Jimmy Pitar saying, oh Christ, we gotta, we gotta respond. This is, it, this is insane. It's being discussed on every network by our competitors. Columns are being written. We look like a clown show. All right, here's what we're gonna do. Let's work on a statement, call our crisis PR people. Get Samson and Coca on the damn phone. Well, Bob, if you had me on the phone, here's what the statement would not have been. No one is more committed to and invested in ESPN success than Norby Williamson. We are thrilled with the multi-platform success that we have seen from the Pat McAfee show across ESPN. We will handle this matter internally and have no further comment. That's the statement we wouldn't have done. That's the exact statement ESPN gave. That's what they came up with as a way to try to take care of this. We're handling this internally, so please, with sugar on top and a little non-vegan cherries, would you please not talk about this anymore? Focus on the NFL, focus on the election, anything. Focus on the line at Space Mountain. Just don't focus on this, because we're gonna take care of it internally. We're gonna call him in and we're gonna have him go 10 rounds. Bob Iger and Norby, when Norby looked at the statement, Norby said, just make sure I lead. Make sure my name's there. I wanna make sure you support me. All right, we'll do that. We'll say we're committed and invested, that you're committed and invested in ESPN success. Not exactly the greatest vote of confidence, but it's something, it led the statement. Then you put McAfee in there second, saying, oh, he's been great. Here's what you do if you're ESPN and you're in this pickle and you're Bob Iger and you have a decision to make. And there's articles being written everywhere. Bob, I think we should do a statement. Here's my statement. I have zero statement. I don't normally tell you to go without a statement. I don't normally say we shouldn't be doing anything, but the reason I am right now is that I don't have enough distance between the event and the action to say anything at all. Because I'll tell you one thing, you're not letting Norby and Pat continue to coexist in this way. You cannot let Pat McAfee continue to do what he's doing on that show. It's a damn embarrassment. And no matter what you think about his platform, his demographics and his love of the game, Disney doesn't care. Disney is bigger than McAfee. McAfee doesn't run ESPN, he doesn't run Disney. He's not the keystone of either one of those companies. And you calling out your boss by name, no ramifications, in what world does that happen? Everything we do has ramifications. Everything we say. Last night, the Dolphins played the Bills in what could have been one of the great regular season finales if only the Jacksonville Jaguars had beaten the damn Tannehill Titans. But no, Jacksonville could not even win, make the playoffs. So the Bills-Dolphins, what was going to be a game for the Bills, winner you're in, losing you're out, winning you win the division, ended up being a game where the biggest talk pregame of the Sunday night regular season finale is should the Dolphins play for a tie and therefore get to play the Steelers at home next week, 
order the Dolphins beat the Bills and then have to play the Bills again next week. Who the hell wants to play the same team twice? Nobody. Or do you let the Bills win and then you have to schlep to Kansas City and play Mahomes when it's zero degrees out? Let me think about the Dolphins scenarios. Lose, lose, lose. Playing for the tie is super hard. There was a discussion that went on with Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel prior to the game after Jacksonville lost. And the discussion was, I don't know what the hell we should do. All I know is beating the Bills doesn't sound like a very good idea at all. And neither does going to Kansas City. I think personally the Dolphins wanted the tie. So now, instead the Dolphins are going to participate in an all-streaming playoff game on Saturday night. By the way, on Sunday night, Saturday night. By the way, Coca, forgot to mention to you. The NFL announced the playoff matchups in the middle of the Dolphins-Bills game before it was known what the playoff matchups were going to be. So the first announcement the NFL made had like Steelers, Bills, at Dolphins, or Steelers, Dolphins, Bills, at Chiefs, whatever. It had like four different combos because the game wasn't over between the Bills and the Dolphins. We had a pretty simple rule with our broadcasters at MLB. The regular season had to end before we announced playoff times. Playoff matchups were more understood going into the last game, more often than not, when the wild card hadn't been decided, or the division champion hadn't been decided, you just wait. The Bills game was gonna end at 11 o'clock Eastern, not too late to announce the times, not too late to announce the wild card weekend where there's two Saturday games, three Sundays and one Monday. But instead the NFL announced during the game and it wasn't a complete announcement. But what was noteworthy is that the wild card game Saturday night is a streaming only game. And they decided to put the Kansas City Chiefs at home during that window. The Kansas City Chiefs, arguably the biggest draw in the NFL, maybe behind only the Cowboys. Arguably the most famous NFL duo of Swift and Kelsey. And they decide to put it on Peacock. Somewhere John Skipper is smiling, as all of you criticize the Super Bowl becoming a pay-per-view event. As I'm watching exactly what John Skipper said would happen, happen. That's slowly but surely, things are becoming pay-per-view. Peacock, that's a pay-per-view. All of Taylor Swift's fans are going to sign up for Peacock, and they're hoping that some of them just don't cancel after 30 days. Those automatic renews suck, don't they? You think it's accidental that the Chiefs were playing no matter what Saturday night? You think the NFL and Peacock didn't work on it? They sit down, all the broadcasters. Who's got first pick? Was it Fox with first pick? CBS has the Super Bowl. Did Fox get first pick of Wild Card Weekend? And they said, let's go Packers Cowboys. Hmm, maybe America's team, America's team. Jordan Love bringing the Packers to the playoffs without Aaron Rodgers, hell yeah. How do you think Woody Johnson feels? Not so good. I was just fascinated by the entire thing with the final game of the season and what happened. But none of it can come close to what happened in the Saints game. As a former executive, I need to mention it. I don't know if it's gonna get any attention because the Falcons who lost that game to the Saints, fired their coach, 
first firing of Black Monday. Today is Black Monday. It's possible Ron Rivera is going to get fired right now, like during the live show. It would not surprise me at all. Bill Belichick did a press conference already this morning, like at 7.30 a.m. Eastern, where he said, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I haven't even met with Kraft. You think Kraft is up at 7.30? He is up. Do you think he's working? Nope. Belichick's in the office, though. Ron Rivera is having his meeting with Josh Harris. Those meetings go fast, very, very fast. Ron, thank you so much. We appreciate everything. Please leave your key card on the desk. We're gonna go a different direction, Ron. Thank you so much. I'll never forget you as my first coach as owner in this league. Let's stay in touch. <laughs> hey, Ron, we'd love you to stay around in some capacity. Like in the community, will you come make appearances because you've been a great spokesman under the Daniel Snyder era. You've really kept things going when there was a pile of dog doo-doo. Thank you, Ron. Ron, anything you want to say? I can't decide what I'm going to do with you. No owner has a meeting with a coach after a season and they don't know what they're doing. It's not like a trial. Hey, convince me. Convince me to keep your job. That'd be funny to call a manager in and do that. Hey, I can't figure out what we're going to do, but do me a favor. Well, tell me about your year. What would you do differently next year versus this year? Well, why are we having this meeting on the day after the season? Can't we talk about it like over drinks in the off season? I'm under contract for another year or two. Now I want to meet at eight o'clock day after. Nope. Do you meet at eight o'clock the day after to say, hey, great year. Love you, man. So proud of you. No, you don't do that at eight o'clock in the morning the next day. If you're having a meeting with Ron Rivera and the rumor is that there's a meeting going on right now, it ain't for a recap. So the Saints game, the reason, oh, he was fired. No way. Coca, he was literally just fired. All right. We are live. Ron Rivera has just been fired. As I said, you don't have a meeting at 8 a.m. the day after a season to say, hey, nice job, chap. That'll do it for Ron. Never had a chance. Never had a chance. Remember, remember after game one, Josh Harris's first win, throwing the ball to the game ball to Josh Harris. Everyone's happy. They got rid of Snyder. Everything's coming up roses. It's amazing. And then they stunk. Josh Harris said, I'm bringing in my own guy. I bet he doesn't do what uh, what David Tepper's doing. He's bringing a search firm. No. That'll do it for Ron Rivera. That's funny. Josh Harris. He's having Bob Myers help with the next hire. All right. Great. Can we go back to the Saints for a minute? I'm sorry, Ron Rivera. I didn't mean to say you were being fired before you got fired, but Jesus, what do you think you were walking in there at 8 a.m. just to say, hey, what's shaking? Hey, Josh, good to see you. What are you doing up so early this morning? <laughs> no, that's not how it goes. We were never allowed to do meetings with our owner at 8 o'clock. We had a rule. It was a pretty simple rule. It's the 10 to 10 rule. Nothing before 10. So the Saints... They wake up this morning out of the playoffs. And I'm wondering why they're not firing their head coach. What happened in yesterday's game against the Falcons about a few hours before the Falcons fired their coach, that game had playoff implications 
but they the winner of the game needed help. They didn't get the help they needed because the Packers won and the Bucks won. But anyway, the Falcons and the Saints both missed the playoffs, and the Saints crushed the Falcons. The Saints were up 41-17. Falcons have the ball. Saints intercept it, runs back, tackled at the one. No more timeouts, game over, kneel down, victory formation in a way that certain coaches don't know how to do. Yes, I'm sorry, Hurricanes fans. That's it. Nothing to talk about. All of a sudden, the Saints score a touchdown. Out of the victory formation, there's a running play. And I'm trying to figure out exactly what happened because I hadn't seen that before because you don't need to do that. In the victory formation, you take a knee as a quarterback. If you're trying to take an extra second or two off the clock, you can take two steps back before taking the knee. You can lose two yards. doesn't make a difference. But I had not seen an actual exchange happen on a victory formation before. And there was an exchange from the backup quarterback. Derek Carr was out of the game. You had Winston in the game, hands the ball off, touchdown 48-17. And I'm thinking, wow, this does not seem very sportsmanlike. What happened here? I am in shock that the New Orleans coach would do this. Bad. I would have been furious. Game ends and I'm looking and there's the fired Falcons coach running across the field, cursing out the Saints coach, saying this is effing BS, what are you doing? And then we find out that it wasn't the coach who called the play. There was mutiny on the bounty. The players called a play in the huddle against the wishes of the coach. The coach calls in the kneel. The players say, you know what? Let's get a touchdown to our good buddy. God forbid it was an incentive-laden touchdown, which it wasn't, because that would have been a whole different story. I would have fired everybody. I would have traded everyone. That player's $1 million away. If he scores a touchdown, give him the ball, give him the touchdown. He's the wide receiver. I wonder if the Chiefs guy got an easy sack because he was getting a million bucks. Anyway, so the players ran a play against the coach's orders. Do you think a player's ever done that with Bill Belichick as your coach? Or Dan Reeves or Bill Parcells or Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin? Name your coach. What kind of team do you have when your players do something that you have expressly told them not to do? Let me give you an example. When we go like this to a pitcher prior to the rule change, which allowed for an intentional walk without four pitches, when we give a sign to our pitcher to walk a guy, and then the pitcher looks at the catcher and says, you know what? I'm going with the cheese. Get down, get down, I'm throwing. We'd walk onto the field, take the ball from the pitcher, and release him. Let me give you another one. Hit and run. And then my hitter takes the pitch. That's okay. He saw the sign, he missed the sign. We've had players miss signs before. He missed the sign. I'm not gonna lose my mind. In a situation in baseball where every player has the knowledge of the situation, you're up 10 runs with two outs in the ninth inning and you have a man on first. You are not stealing second base. When you steal second base, you get in trouble because your teammate is gonna get thrown at. In football, when you are up 41 to 17 and you're running out the clock and kneeling down, you kneel down. 
In basketball, when you're up 10 points with the ball with 10 seconds left, you don't shoot a three. You dribble out the clock and hand the ball to the referee. What do you run a play to get a guy an extra two points? That's what causes a brawl. But the issue that you should be focused on is what does that say about the coach? Because after the game, the players had a chance. And from Derek Carr to Winston, they all said the same thing. We knew exactly what the coach wanted and we went against it and we agree because sometimes players have to take care of themselves. Derek Carr, your starting quarterback, was asked whether it was bothered. Were you upset that the players overruled the play call? And he said, no. He said, sometimes you wanna take care of guys. No, no. Winning organizations, you never have players who say, oh, let's ignore the coaches and the plays because we want to do what we wanna do. There is structure, there is chain of command for a reason. Can you imagine in the armed forces, and I know we're talking sports versus life or death, but anything with the chain of command, how about in the army? Hey, we're gonna hold off here until morning. We're just gonna stay where we are. That's the order. All of a sudden I opened my eyes at two in the morning and everyone left, they started already. It's, it's not even, you wouldn't even consider that. How about in your business with what you do? Hey, just so you know, we're not gonna extend, we're not gonna expand right now. We're not gonna sign that additional lease to open that franchise. And then all of a sudden you go and sign a lease and expand and your CEO told you not to. Do you know how fast you get fired? You, the ink doesn't dry in the contract. You can't fire all the players, although I would damn sure try. So you gotta fire the coach because clearly the coach does not have control of the clubhouse or the respect of the clubhouse. And apologizing after the fact by saying, hey, this wasn't about our coach, this was about our guys. You simply can't have it. All right, what's next? Coca's gonna end up being totally right, by the way. Remember when Coca talked about all the coaches who were gonna be fired? I think he's three for four. He had Reich being fired by the Colts. He had Rivera being fired by the Commanders. He had Belichick being fired by the Patriots. I just don't think that one's gonna be right. And then he had a fourth one as well. And I can't remember. Reich by the Panthers, excuse me. Thank you, Coca. He had one more. Oh, Staley of the, uh, of the Chargers. He had that too. It's a funny day today. I mean, it's not funny. I'm sorry for Ron Rivera. It wasn't even a good run. I can't even say it was a good run. All right, let's take a break. We come back. We are going to talk about the Golden Globes. A couple things happened. And if you are a basketball fan or a movie fan, TV fan, or a football fan, then you would have enjoyed the Golden Globes. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks 
to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Coke, I'm tired already. It's only Monday. I got the shingles vaccine this weekend, part two. And when I get vaccinated, I get really sick, but that means I have a good immune system, I was told. But all day Saturday, I completely was sick. High fever and achy, sort of like you've been for the last two months, Coca. And now it just goes away, so I feel great, but I'm a little groggy, I guess. I was watching the Golden Globes last night. I was triple screening it. I wish I should have taken a photo. That would have been a funny Instagram pic. So on the TV, I had the Golden Globes. Then on my phone, I had the Levitard watch party. Then on my iPad, I had the Dolphins-Bills game. And I realized what interests me the most because it's what I focused on the most, it's what was on the biggest screen, was the Golden Globes. I'm a nerd. I was texting with Adnan during the show. We're nerds. I love award shows. I love seeing the stars. I love that I know all of the content and I love when people get rewarded for the work they do. One of you actually asked a great question on davidsampsonpodcast.com about all of the work that goes in when an actor wins something is it the actor winning is it part of a screenplay is it part of the crew the reason why actors thank so many people and the reason why directors or the reason why anybody wins thanks so many people is in the movie industry much like the sports industry if it's not an individual sport and even individual sports people find people to thank they thank their coaches and their agents whoever they thank but movie making and television making, show making, 
it's as big a team sport as football. There are hundreds and thousands of people behind the scenes all trying to do something to make you look the best you can look. Actors, of course, have to execute just like players have to execute, but there's so many layers of management and so many layers of people. The Golden Globes were hosted by a comedian and it is noteworthy that Taylor Swift was there without Travis Kelsey because he was on the sideline of the Chiefs game, not playing. Dan Campbell, do you hear that? Not playing when it didn't matter. Even though Kelsey could have gotten to 1,000 yards rushing, but still not playing is the right thing for the Chiefs. He made a joke about Taylor Swift that I thought was awfully funny that Taylor Swift did not find funny. That became the biggest story of the Golden Globes and I'm sick of it because there were some great stories. So I wanna give you the top five things that happened that you missed at the Golden Globes. Number five, if you haven't watched Beef or The Bear, then you're missing something. I loved Beef and the Bear, and I loved Daisy Jones and the Six. Beef and the Bear prevailed over Daisy Jones in all the categories. The Bear, which is not a musical or a comedy, but that's the category in which it won. You had acting wins, you had show wins. Succession was huge. But my number one takeaway, or number five, I should say, is Beef and the Bear are greater than Daisy Jones. Number four, the end of Ted was less great than the end of Logan. Lasso did not get any love at the Golden Globes, but Succession certainly did. The acting awards for Succession, best show, best actor, Macaulay Culkin's brother, maybe the best speech of the night, well, the second best speech behind Lily Gladstone. Succession's over, watch it. The number three takeaway from the Golden Globes is that I have to rewatch Oppenheimer. So I watched Oppenheimer and I reviewed it on this show, but now that it's winning best actor for Killian Jacobs, best director for Christopher Nolan, best picture, motion picture drama, I'm gonna have to rewatch it. Emily Blunt did not win. She was there for best supporting actress, but I'm gonna rewatch it. Number two, Lily Gladstone winning best actress may be the most important win in a really long time. She's the star of Killers of a Flower Moon. She is a Native American. She gave her acceptance speech in her native tongue, partially. First in person indigenous people to win a Golden Globe. She will be nominated and a front runner for Best Actress. Her performance was outstanding. And what is pretty amazing, I called, did I say Killian Jacobs? That's unbelievable. She's the actress in love. She's the actress I love from love. Killian Murphy, thank you. That's funny, my brain is funny. Told you, no script, baby. Let me get back to Lee Gladstone. I'd like you to be able to cut this so it's not, doesn't look like I interrupted saying something about her. Lee Gladstone's win in her acceptance speech brought me to tears. The movie itself was is gonna lose out to both Barbie and Oppenheimer, but the performance that she gave the fact that Martin Scorsese cast her and then let her do what she did and the way she held the screen with Leonardo DiCaprio, no easy task. That is monumental. And it should make her the favorite come Oscar time. And my final takeaway from the Golden Globes, by the way, I love the Paul Giamatti one for the holdovers. All the movies I've told you to watch and all the TV shows that were in my top 10, et cetera, 
they all won. So please watch them. The Holdovers, number one movie of the year. Best supporting actress and best actor last night. But my number one takeaway is, is Kevin Costner okay? Did you see him present with American Ferrara? He just seemed, he's had a tough year personally. He's fighting with Taylor Sheridan. There's lawsuits everywhere. Yellowstone is coming back. It's not coming back. Divorce is hard. But what's going on with him? Just seemed a little off. Okay, nothing personal pick of the day. God dang it, man. We finally got our first win. We had the Bucks four and a half over the Panthers and we won. We did not win our Saturday game of the Colts beating the Texans. They lost. They could have lost by one and we would have won, but they didn't. I thought the Thunder would beat the Nets and the Nets won by 69 points. So we are one and four, but we are off the schneid. We're down over three units because when you win, you don't win a full unit. When you lose, you do. Remember, we're keeping track of picks and units. Tonight, we've got a national championship game. I watch very few college football games, but this one I always watch because I like the idea of a champion. I like the champagne, which they don't do at college because they're underage, but I like the whole thing. But the story tonight is really about Harbaugh, the coach of Michigan. It's not about Michigan who hasn't won a title since 1997. It's not about the underdog Huskies who are getting four and a half points. Is that who they are, the Washington? I think it's the Huskies. I'm blanking right at the moment. My pick, by the way, is Michigan four and a half, giving four and a half to the Huskies. But the most interesting part is, is Harbaugh gonna win the championship and then walk off into the sunset? Because you could have the commanders you could have the Chargers, you could have the Panthers, you could have the Raiders, you could have the Wolverines, you could have just a suspended list. There's like six different places Harbaugh could go. And the rumor around town is that Harbaugh was offered a huge extension by Michigan and one of the rules of the extension, one of the factors is that he couldn't take an NFL job just this year. I'm out on that. If you're, get, if you're signing up with Michigan again and you're getting 12 million bucks a year, whatever you're getting, you can't have an out every year. It's like having an opt-out every year. These opt-outs are ridiculous. It's ridiculous for players, but for managers or coaches, forget it. Either you tell them you're coaching Michigan or not. If he demands to have the right to go to the NFL every single year, that means that you're always gonna have the chance of a recruiting class being screwed, a portal being screwed. Either commit or don't commit. Meanwhile, Harbaugh, with all the openings in the NFL, there's openings every year. It's sort of like when Bill Cowher had a chance to coach anywhere. And then for whatever reason, Cowher just ended up staying. Peyton could have coached anywhere. He ended up finally going to Denver. Tony Dungy stayed. At some point, no one wants to hear about it. At some point, you're not as recherche as you thought you were. Right now, Jim Harbaugh is hot. I don't think he should be, but he is. If there were ever a time and he wants to get control of an NFL team, this is his moment because you've got desperate owners. Think Josh Harris isn't desperate in Washington right now? As he's trying to figure out a new facility, he's trying to figure out how to make a $6.5 billion purchase work, how he's trying to win a damn game? Think David Tepper isn't desperate? Think the Spanos family doesn't need to win? 
How about Davis? He may be forced to keep his interim, who did very well, by the way. But if Harbaugh comes in, you can write your ticket. Control football operations, control on-field and off-field operations, get a five-year guaranteed deal, get $20 million a year. This can be your time. I find it to be actually fascinating the way these searches go. Do you think that, uh, you know, you've heard me talk about this. Just to, can, can we talk about something totally crazy? I wanted to get to, so you want to talk to Samson. We're not even going to get to it today, and I'm sorry about that. Maybe we'll get to it tomorrow, but total side note here. Investment banks don't like me. And the reason investment banks don't like me is that we didn't use any of them when we were buying a team or selling a team or building a stadium. When I tell you to go hire the firm of Samson and Coca, I laugh because everyone hires these outside people. I don't know what the hell they do. Allen and company hired to explore the sale of a team. What does that mean? I can explore the sale of a team. Hi, I'm David Sampson. I'm the president of the Marlins and we're for sale. Here's my phone number. When you hire a search firm, it's eyewash. We hired a search firm called Corn Ferry to do the commissioner search when Bud Selig was retiring. Why? Now, I like the guys from Corn Ferry, don't get me wrong. I enjoy when Corn Ferry calls me on the phone and says, hey, you interested in this or that or that or this? Nah, not really. Nah, maybe. I'll take that call. Ooh, I can't fire Isaiah Thomas. I guess I won't take that job. But a search firm? You've got these teams now who are saying they have search firms to hire managers and search firms to hire coaches. Why? Are they identifying people who you cannot identify? That's all search firms can do. Identify people you can't. Strategic partners in a business. I need a firm for that. When you're in the business of milk crates and you want to sell your business, you hire a bank, an investment bank or a firm to find companies that may have a strategic interest in milk crates that you otherwise would not be able to identify. Hey, I need some help. Is Eric Bieniemy available? What about the offensive coordinator for the top offensive team in football or the defensive coordinator for the top defensive team? What about Bill Belichick? Hey, Bill, you want to coach our team? Hold on, let me go through the search firm. Hey, could you submit to me a list of seven hours worth of questions that I can ask in order for me to decide whether this guy can coach my team? What a bunch of horse hockey. These search firms prepare all of these packets. Here's Bill Belichick. He won a couple Super Bowls. He used to have a guy named Tom Brady. He's got a couple divorces and he likes hoodies. All right, let me get some other stuff on him. Here's his general view of play calling. Oh, sorry, he doesn't talk to us about that. Here's this guy. He's been the offense coordinator for four years, and then he went to Horace Mann High School. After that, he went to the University of Podunk, plus he was a Badger. Then he was the special teams coach, then the offensive coordinator, then the head coach, then he got let go. He's got a career record of 19 and 69. Well, thank you so much, Google. I'm trying not to impugn, but really? Search firms to find a head coach? It's a bunch of horse hockey. Hey, is Jim Harbaugh available? Could someone get me his number? Don't forget, we've been nominated in two categories for the Sports Podcast Awards, and it's all because of you. Best Baseball Podcast and the Best Sports Business Podcast. 
Please vote for us at sportspodcastgroup.com. Just click vote. The voting ends soon, like January 19th. We only have 11 days. Being nominated is nice, but unlike the nominees, I'm the Jennifer Lawrence of nominees. She looked right in the camera and said, if I don't win, I'm leaving. I don't wanna be nominated. I wanna win. Sportspodcastgroup.com. It's not the Metal Arc people. It is all public vote. Believe me, if it were the Metal Arc people, I wouldn't even try because I would lose. It's up to you. Spread the word. Vote early, vote often. Tell your friends and your Romans and your countrymen. Sportspodcastgroup.com. Best sports business podcast. Best baseball podcast. Because like today, how can we not be the best baseball podcast? It's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is nothing personal.